Welcome to Drinks World, where we celebrate entrepreneurs in the beverage industry. Today's guests are the father and son team Graham and Ellen Muir from Independent Liquor. At Independent Liquor, which was started in 2004, the Muirs aim to keep a direct relationship with their customers. And this strategy has proven successful. And today they have about two and a half thousand retail customers. Let's welcome Graham and Ellen to the show. Welcome to the show. And today I'm visiting Graham and Ellen Muir at the facility in Cosmo City, and it's called Independent Liquor. Independent Liquor has been around for a long time now. Yeah, we started off in 2004, yeah. um, where we we kind of fell into the liquor industry. Um, one of the partners now was overseas. He was working in another company and went to a pub in the UK and he saw a product which, which was called Mudshake, which was a, a product manufactured in New Zealand. Okay. Um, but they had a, a production plant in, in the UK and he saw it there and he made contact with them and said, you know, is there anything we could look at? Um, and they, they took his number and a bit of information. And then a while later, um, they were coming to South Africa because they actually had uh, Halewood, were a distributor for them, or a manufacturer, in fact, on some of the RTDs. Um, and we met with the export manager who was from Australia. And uh, we had a chat and... Clearly, we got on quite well, and and uh, it was not specifically on the mud shack, but on one of the other products, which was a, a twisted shot called Twisty. And we basically said to him, look, we, the only thing we know about alcohol is that we, we enjoy drinking it. But what I can tell you is that we're very passionate about it, and we've been in sales all of our lives, and we think we can do it. And he said, cool. And we got the distributorship for... Southern Africa, based on that short meeting. So, <laughs> okay. So there is a there is a real connection to to the New Zealand company. I was always yes. wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was um, because they had three. In fact, I think they had four plants. There was one in Canada, there was one in the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. But it was a New Zealand-based company, yeah. and it was owned by um, one guy. Um, Mr. Ersek, I can't recall his first name. Um, I think he was a mathematician, but uh, his parents were involved in the wine industry, and so there was a natural progression into into liquor. Um, and as an independent, um, he was hugely successful. Um, their turnover was in the billions. And he ran it almost like a family business. Everyone that worked there was family. They became part of the family, and... I think he just really enjoyed the the entrepreneurship that people brought to the business. Um, yeah, so we were fortunate enough to go across there and meet with him and the whole play and all their staff and whatever. So yeah, it was a there was a connection for a few years until he passed away in a okay. in a helicopter crash. And uh, can you recall what the brands were that Howard was was doing? Um, Cruiser. Okay. Um, and there was another one. I can't quite remember what the other one was, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Cruiser. So Mike Vizi was involved in that Correct. Cruiser somehow. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. I think we also sold it 
Street yeah. Bulmers or Bavaria, if I'm not mistaken. That's probably where um, Mike Vesey got involved with it, yeah, because um, Australia and New Zealand also did Bulmers, um, ciders and stuff there. Um, they had a massive range of products, but that would have been one of them. Okay. Yeah, so I guess that's where that came from. Yeah. So, you know, that's when I met Mike Vesey, was back then. And that was in 2004. Okay. Yeah. So you started with that twisty shooter, or what is it called now? Yeah, it's now called Double Act. Okay. So the sort of, the progression was, we imported, as I said, we, we knew nothing about alcohol. Um, we wanted to import the product. So we went through, obviously, all the procedures to get a liquor license. And and as anyone who's in the liquor industry knows, that comes at a price and also a bit of time and um, and paperwork, but we we finally got there, and we brought in a, a our first batch that arrived literally a week before Christmas, and at that stage um, we'd we'd been out doing some sampling, going to clubs and pubs and to some of the bottle stores, um, and uh, we brought it in, and literally a week before Christmas, we were packaging. Um, that's when Alan and his friend originally got involved with us. I think it was about 15, 16. <laughs> um, so my wife, Anne, and I, we would go out and do the selling and promoting, and Alan and his buddy would be at the house packaging. Hopefully not sipping. <laughs> I have no doubt there may have been some sampling, because one has to know the product. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really much a, a family, small business that we just loved. Um, and it, uh, and we did and we continued importing from the product was actually made in the UK um, at that plant, and then from the UK it was then sold to Canada, and then to Australia and, and New Zealand. Um, yeah, so we brought in a few containers. Um, yeah, and I think our biggest customer to start with was the um, the Medcash Group. Mm-hmm. Um, we started supplying them. Um, yeah, and it just grew. Uh, we were very fortunate we had so much support from the independent bottle stores because at that stage i mean we had no vision of you know the, the shop right checkers and the mm. macros and we were just focusing on the easier sell which mm. you know an independent has that power to say yeah let's try it mm. um, so we were very fortunate and, and to be honest our business grew on the back of of the support we got from mm. them it was always my favorite kind of selling is where you can make, you walk into a store and there's a decision and you deliver mm. and you invoice and you take the money yeah. and off you go. Yeah, it's very rewarding. Yeah, that's yeah. my kind of selling. If I have to do a proposal, then I give up. Yeah. And I think because my, my training ground was selling Bavaria out the back mm-hmm. of, of a milk van, uh, <laughs> you know, with an invoice book and... Uh, you know, that's the kind of selling I still I still think is the best. It is. I mean, you're really at the at the coalface, as yeah. it were. You know, it's it is very rewarding when you suddenly get an order. And you know, when we started, we would sell maybe one tray or one six pack, and we were just so excited. Yeah. And then we would get an order for five hundred rand. I mean, this was just unbelievable. You know, now we can retire, kind of attitude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just grew and grew and grew. So we were very very fortunate. No, our biggest customer on the on the Medcash was the one at Hillfox. Okay. Um, the yeah. manager there, he just bought into it. Um, yeah. And I think that's also, I mean, there's no doubt being in that sort of outlet, um, the retailers, the, the independents would buy, obviously, from them. So we, we started getting calls directly from. So it, 
you know, yes, it has its... its um, you, you've got to go through the hoops with them, um, but it certainly is a, a great marketing exposure way um, getting your product out there. So, yeah. So We've we, always been thankful for whoever bought from us, regardless. <laughs> regardless, yes. And when did you start manufacturing locally? So we carried on importing, mm-hmm. and then when um, Mike Ersick was the owner, um, when, he, when he passed away, um, they had to restructure very quickly. Um, they closed the plant in um, the UK, and we were in the throes of wanting to order another um, container, and they said, look, this is likely to be the last container you'll get because we're moving everything to New Zealand and we have no idea when that plant will be set up, etc., etc. And we thought, well, you know, we've still got some stock. So we said to them, look, we need to, we, we can't wait, you know, and we're not going to spend that kind of money for something that may be the last time we have it. Um, we want to make our own variant Um and they said, oh, you can do it, but you're going to fail. You know, and they had fancy machines and, I don't know, did 2,000 a minute kind of stuff. Um, we said, no, we'll do it. Um, we weren't sure how to do it, but we started. We had their blessing. Um, we were allowed to keep the name because we were given, the, when we started, they said, yes, you can use our name in South Africa. Um, so we kept the name. They were happy with that. And so we started putting together a project, have a mold um, commissioned um, started with packaging and then it must have been I think we rolled off it was about the 30th of November 2007 we had a machine made by Handypack down in Cape Town um, right from the start we just went there with some cups and said please make us a machine we've got no money um, and I think it, I mean the cost today it's, it's certainly well worth it semi-automatic and they put something together that we're still using today mm. um, how and many years ago was that? we started producing 2007 October yeah. okay. when we got the machine okay. um, but prior to that we had started manufacturing but what it was is we had we got a, an old toaster you know these big anvil toasters and we modified it snack uh, yep, machine modified it, drilled holes in it um, had foil lids, and um, in fact we had blank foils, and had stickers made, and we had teapots with product in, and drums set up with little pipes, and we manually filled these things until two, three o'clock in the morning. Went home, showered, came back at seven, started all over again, and started sailing. Mm. So yeah, it was uh, really fun days. It certainly was. And um, what was your background, sorry, before? My background's technical. Um, I was in the Air Force in Zimbabwe. Um, I've always been in the technical side. So from machinery, etc. And then I got into sales um, when I came down to South Africa in in rotational molding, plastics. So it's been sales, um, technical for for my entire career. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a far cry to be able to to work out how a machine worked or, yeah. or how to sell, which was fortunate. And my wife, um, I mean, we started the business. Um, it was just the two of us. Um, she ran, I mean, she's, she sold everything to freight, space and magazines, Tupperware. So she's a real salesperson. Um, yeah, so it was quite a, it was a good blend. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, so it was, 
it was interesting just doing all the admin yeah. production selling making the tea taking on a rep you know so it's been quite a progression and and your first premises first premises was in Kai Sand, uh, a little unit um, we also at the same time so we then started manufacturing our own product called Double Act um, we had four flavors I think it was when we started um, we then started doing sours in 750ml bottles and uh, in a little 50ml six pack so those were the, the two products we started with um, yeah and that was it we just we really did grow from strength to strength and we didn't really know much about packaging so you know we think it's a great design and at the time it was awesome about three months later it was probably the worst packaging ever seen but you know we were real realistic about it and we just we just changed as we went along mm-hmm. as the market changed as people wanted something different we we were able to to change quickly and i think that was the beauty of the independence you know someone says oh how about a a coffee and cream flavor yeah cool you know put it together the basics are all the same because we're essentially we are blenders mm. we don't distill anything we just blend yeah yeah and you're right i mean you you essentially look out for the trends and i mean once you find your feet i guess you, when Absolutely. you start off you think this is it this is important yes but after a while it's not so important what's important is that you have something that your customers want that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, development was always sort of a an in-house thing. Um, mm. We'd sit around the computer and taste this and taste that and try this bourbon with that passion fruit and do this and that. And But, I mean, you couldn't work after 12 o'clock because you'd done so, <laughs> so much tasting. And that was on a Monday. That was Monday. <laughs> so it was just downhill from there on. Yeah. No, it was, it, it was really exciting and fun and... And Ellen, I mean, for you growing, your your dad, for your dad, it was a new industry. He didn't know anything about it, and you didn't know anything else. No, nothing at all. Um, it Left school, went to do swimming coaching, and then started in the business two years after that. But you actually started, uh, I mean, much earlier than that, filling and helping. And yeah, geez, in school days, yeah, packing. And you must have been very popular with your schoolmates. Yeah, we were stuck. Stock went missing uh, <laughs> quite often. First time I heard about the word shrinkage. <laughs> yeah. Was when your son came yeah. to help. It was shrinkage. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> At least we knew it was our, our one employee. <laughs> it was market research. I had to get the guys mm. to try it out. Yeah. Mm. And that was, yeah, that was, and then as Alan says, um, he was at a bit of a loose end mm. and said well come here and work and here's your overalls get into the factory yeah. and that was it there was no favouritism there was just get in there yeah I, I mean for me as a salesman I find it fascinating how people can, can come up with products and I think if you've got the technical background and the first time you 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 look at a product and you say, okay, and then you look at it again and you can do it better and you can do it in your own way and you find your own solutions. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, if you're a salesman and you can't do that, it's a completely different setup because then you have to, I guess, find people who can do that or employ people or contract packers. But there's always a solution if you just understand what your strengths are, I, think, I guess. Correct, yeah. Um, 
we've looked at in, you know as you go through the phases of business from do everything yourself to well maybe contract get somebody to do packaging for you um, take on a distributor you know all these you, you go through all of those phases um, but being able to have the background allows you to probably analyze a little quicker and realize um, some of the mistakes you made quite quickly um, without doing too much sort of harm to, to the business the brand or whatever mm. um, yeah so it's it's a good it's a it's a great industry mm. um, it's grown as you know uh, there's new product coming out I mean it feels sometimes every week there's a new product mm. on the market um, and it's good to see some really great innovations um, because it just shows that the public have a have a a passion and a, an appetite for new products um, and the good ones will last. Mm. What What was uh, the biggest innovation that you've seen in the last, what's it been, nearly 20 years? <laughs> Double act. Uh, <laughs> and it's still the biggest innovation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was no doubt that um, that type of um, shot, you know, in a, in a split glass um, I mean, that, that definitely wasn't our innovation. I mean, it had been around. Um, but certainly in South Africa, that was a big... Um, and I think at that stage, that's when um, single shots were starting to um, gain some some popularity. Obviously, you had the little tot pack, you know, the little sachets, mm -hmm. and they'd been around quite a bit longer. So I think, you know, that sort of packaging medium... But I think, you know, we were talking earlier off here, you know, about the, the passion fruit. I mean, that really did mm. spark things. Um, I guess the Vodoka, uh, you know, that, that did exceptionally well. What is it? Um, the caramel... Lavoca. Lavoca, oh, sorry, yeah, Lavoca. That was a mess of... That, I mean, that did exceptionally well, mm. you know. And that's when you start turning green with envy. Because that was the... the, the can that looked like a bottle. The yes. aluminium. The aluminium. aluminium can, yeah. Mm. Sorry, aluminium bottle is yeah. the right word there. You know, and you, and you kind of kick yourselves because, you know, you on some products you've been flirting with them in-house and, mm. and you're ah, we'll get to it, we'll get to it, and then suddenly out it comes. So, mm. so there's a bit of jealousy there, which yeah. is great. But, uh, I mean, no, I'm really pleased how, how well they've done. Mm. Um, and all products, you know. Mm. I think in, our, in where we are as an independent, we want ours to be number one, mm. obviously. But it's encouraging when you see a lot of independents coming up with new products that work. Mm. Um, it just helps the category. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just thinking in our, in our kind of lifetime, the sours was also a big thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you obviously, it was around kind of just before you started, I would guess. Or yes. was it, when, when was that? So, yeah, sours had been around... I'd been aware of sours, oh, must have been when we first came to South Africa. So it was in the, the late 80s, 90s, yeah. I think. It may have been earlier than that, mm. but that's... Having come from Zimbabwe, we didn't have a huge mm. selection um, of shooters as such. And that's when I really noticed them. Um, obviously drank mm. them and whatever, but never thought I'd be in the liquor industry. Yeah. Um, and then once you're in it, you know, oh, why don't we do a sours? Mm. Um, and at that stage, in, in 2000 in seven uh, 2000 yeah 2007 it was it was still quite a, a buoyant market and as you know with sours it's up it's it's seasonal um and we still we, we still carry on with our range of sours um but it's a 
it's an easy enough product to do. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it easy. And it's a fun product, you know. Mm. Yeah. And how do you go about um, looking for new trends? I mean, and and I mean, you didn't enter into the so-called craft gin category. Mm. Is that is that on purpose, or is it just uh, because it's uh, because you don't distill? Or? Our knowledge of distilling was not. We really didn't have. We were so focused on blending. Mm. Um, we it, it would have taken investment. Um, and I think a substantial amount. Mm. And it was a case of um, saying, well, we were in a growth stage, so do we carry on growing our range, our market, etc., or do we diversify? Mm. In hindsight, sometimes we think, yes, we should have. Mm. Um, but there'll be other trends where we can get into, and if it means distilling, then, then we'll go that route. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, we certainly did have a look at, at doing it. We did look at um, doing some RTDs, that we would buy in from a distiller and then do it. You know, we would, um, we're not believers in using a cane base and, mm. and and putting it out there as a gin. You know, um, it's got to be it's got to be what it is. Yeah. So we, in fact, we've done costings and packaging and all sorts. We were going to buy buy a gin and and then blend it with you know tonic and whatever and put it out that way. Um, but yeah, we. We never got to that stage. And I think I first came to visit you here, or I think that was also the first time that I met you, was must have been around 2004. When did you actually move into these premises? These premises we moved in in 2014. 14, sorry. That's when you came, yeah. Yeah. We'd met earlier on. In fact, it must have been about 2006, 2007. because if I'm not mistaken, you were in KZN, mm. um, and you had a company then, and you, you, you did, did some of our shooters and stuff then, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that would have been 2006, mm. somewhere around there. Okay, so 2014, you, and I remember there was a, a distinct feeling of jealousy of this beautiful facility that you had, <laughs> and this home that you created for yeah. yourself as a business, and I think... It's always a, a, a very important. I mean, there's there's obviously different ways of doing it now. You can outsource everything and you can operate virtually. Correct. But it is mm-hmm. really nice to have a wonderful base for your business like this, and I, I just I think it gives you a solid foundation, um, especially as a family business and we hands on and you manufacturing this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I can remember that. I wish I had something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that was really out of necessity because yeah. um, we were in Kaya Sands and we had a, it was about a 180 square meter factory with a mezzanine. With and three storage units. Yeah, off-site yeah. Um, for packaging. Um, we were renting and it was a case of we, we can't, we cannot grow. We either have to rent another unit um, next door and then obviously there's the restraints of the liquor license. Mm. Um, and we said, well, there's no point getting renting another premise because we're going to have to get another liquor license. So we, we said, well, we've got to do it. And we had a factory designed and built for us and got the liquor license and, and that's it. So, and, and that, in hindsight, was the right thing to do. Definitely. It absolutely was. You know, I can remember for myself uh, renting all these these little storage <laughs> units and we were doing a lot of liquid fruit at the time in our distribution. That's right, yeah. 
and uh, we put all the non-alcoholic stuff in the storage units because you didn't need the liquor license. But a trick that I learned, and I don't know if it's still applicable, is that you could have branches on a, on a distribution license. So I even had, and, and you had to get the address on the, on the license somewhere. I even had my home as a as an as an address <laughs> on the on the wholesale liquor license, and so we could store store it at there. home. Yeah, and the garage was full of booze <laughs> over December. I guess you were popular. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Ellen, tell us a little bit about how you fit into the business and and what your role has been. So, I started off uh, in the factory, as my dad said. Um, kind of in the deep end mm. get in there and very deep <laughs> make it work make what work <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing if there was a problem with the machine I would fix it uh, dad how does how do I fix it well figure it out kind of thing yeah. so that's where that's where it all started then it you know um, self-taught how to plan production um, I learned very quickly how easily you can run out of materials mm-hmm. and how frequent and that still happens today <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I started. Um, set up the production line here. Would love to have a lot more. Um, you know, make it a really big, beautiful production facility. But since then, I've kind of done wherever needed. There's a gap here, Alan. There's something wrong with the computers. You know, networking. Um, you know, light bulbs, anything really. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, as a family business, you don't have... Um, Strict rules. Yeah. So, job description. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, you know, building a CV. What, what do you put on it yeah. um, kind of thing. So, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. A lot of fun, I think, is, uh, is nice. We get to see each other every day. Um, and mom is semi-retired, enjoying that. Um, but when she was in, you know, Monday to Friday, it was it was good fun, and it's kind of, you know, guys, what should we do this week? Uh, new products, what's on the market? And there's so much, you know, as you you asked earlier, um, how do we think of new products? What what are the trends? What sort of things are happening? It's it's not as easy as people think because you know, if I'm like, oh, why don't you do this? Oh, why don't you make a product like this? And you you think about it, you have to, but when you start looking at it. It, there's a lot of risk to it because it doesn't, you know, you, it costs money to launch a product. And if it's a flop, it's happened to us. Uh, you know, that money's gone to waste. So this year we've planned to do it the right way. You know, launch a product and do the marketing, take, take it out there into the market and see what happens and then go full in if, if we get some good feedback. Um, but yeah, that's, that's um, what I do. It's pretty much mm. whatever, whatever needs to be done. And uh, taking on sales now is is uh, is new to me. Um, I'm interested in. I've always have been because we've always been in in everybody's you know department. We all in we in everyone's department. We know exactly what's been going on. So coming into it wasn't uh, a shot in the dark because I know I know all the reps you know personally. Uh, we chat frequently, so um, I'm really excited on that on on this year for sales and growing it. Um, now that I have a project, a plan, a mm. going forward, it's it's I'm really excited for it. Mm. Yeah. And how many people have you got on the on the road? Three in Joburg, uh, one in Cape Town, one in KZN. Well, the guy in Cape Town does the whole of Western Cape, and one in a uh, guy in Blum. And we're looking at adding two more 
hopefully mm. soon. And yeah, it's going to be a, a good year, I think, in terms of sales and mm. yeah, some good plans. Okay. Yeah. Um, talking about innovation and these opportunities, I'm an opportunist, and I can remember we spoke about the aluminium can, and there was a distributor who was selling that product, and then they lost it. So I said to a friend of mine, I said, let's, let's quickly make something that looks similar, and we give it to that distributor, because <laughs> he's cross with them, yeah, and then he'll, he'll take it on. He'll take it on, and he'll sell it. <laughs> mm. So those sort of opportunities, but... I mean, a lot of these products are what, what I guess one could f call fad products. Um, mm. And yet you guys have stuck with them for, for nearly two decades and you've just, you know, where there's, there's been 120 other people come and gone, you've stuck to it. And uh, do you think that's mm. part of your uh, solution for, or your, your success formula? There's definitely a few things that... Um go towards a successful formula and I think yeah we've stood by our products and we stand by them 100% um, if there's an issue immediately we resolve it um, bring it back replace it whatever it is bottom line I think you know it, customer service is really what it's about and we've always been very strong on that um, we believe we we maintain that um, yes there's times when that slips um, you take your eye off the ball a bit, but as a rule, that is our focus and our sales guys, that is number one. Mm. Um, and just making sure that our product is, is out there and people see it, merchandising, um, you've just got to constantly keep at it, you know. It's too easy, and we've done it ourselves, where you, things are going well, you put on the blinkers. You think, no, eh, it's fine, it's, it, it'll continue. Um, it's only when the chinks start coming that you realize, hold them. Um, and, and that was as, as sad and tragic as COVID has been. Um, it gave us, when we were completely locked down, we were able to sit without having to run the business because we couldn't. And we were able to take time and sit and look at the business and, and say, what have we done well? What have we done exceptionally poorly on? And what are we going to do about it? So for us, in a, in a strange way, COVID has been good um, because from October 2020, we started restructuring um, and we've been doing it, implementing um, at, at, a, at a decent pace and we're seeing the benefits of it. So yeah, it's been almost like a revitalization. Um, our WhatsApp group has revitalized um, and that's what we're doing um, and it's working. So, but you've got to stick to your core, you know, um, but we've got to, we have to do new developments. We, we will find the next big one. Mm -hmm. Of that, I'm 100% confident we will. And, and so that's what the Holy Grail, you just keep going for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it certainly is a different, you're in a different position to, to being just a pure distributor. I mean, you make all the products and you, you do your own sales and distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, one of the big changes in the industry that I've kind of moved through was um, the growth of the so-called redistributor, where the one-stop shop for the trade, um, which, how have you managed that? Or what is your, what is your recommendation for, for other people? Mm. 
because it's so tempting to give it to those it guys is. to do. You don't have to do all the debtors and uh, mm. the one bottle here or two bottles there. Um, what is what is? Yeah, it was certainly part of our thought process when we started the industry, um, because there you, you, I mean, you're tapping into a wealth of experience. Um, but I guess it might be some stubbornness um, when we started. That of course we can do everything ourselves, um, and not having been in the liquor industry and I think for anyone who's getting into it and is not part of the liquor industry my suggestion is you do it yourself or if you do get a redistributor you make sure that you are 100% involved in it because when we did all of our own selling and marketing and everything and when we started taking on reps you know the reps would come and say oh this is a bottle store you know how he says this and we would say well well, John would never say that because we know we've known John for three years, and so go back and actually service the guy properly. Or so we 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 got we knew our market one hundred percent. And if you if you hand it out, you, the possibility is you are one of a hundred different products. And with all due respect to distributors, and, and they want to sell what moves quickest. Mm. If you're in their catalogue and you're maybe in the... They're not going to push it that much. That's been our experience. Um, but if we, we have two distributors who are really good and they get stuck into it and they've bought into our product, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is easy. And as you say, there's quite a few companies have started up, handed it over to a, a redistributor who does all their accounts, their distribution, their sales and everything. And, yeah, it's you can get some pretty good traction quickly longevity I'm not so sure yeah and then you're back to that fad kind yeah. of cycle yeah. yeah you still have to main and own your product yeah if you lose that you'll start all over again yeah <laughs> and what, what has been the biggest challenge in, in your business money cash flow cash flow yeah because <laughs> the faster you grow the less money yeah. you have <laughs> Growth sounds awesome, boy. Turnover is growing, this and that, but boy, it's not easy. You're still, you're still drinking water and eating bread. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cash flow. Um, you know, you you speak to. I mean, obviously, we've got friends who've got their own businesses, and you chat to them, and you sit and say cash flow, and they just look at you and say, "Well, what is it?" You know, well, it's changed already. We spoke about it half an hour ago. Yeah. You know. Um, when we're not from financial backgrounds, um, I think that is a, a bit of a hindrance. Um, but certainly I've learned very quickly. Um, still loads more. Um, but, you know, we, we restructure accordingly. Um, and we do have a, we have a management team, an exceptionally good management team. Um, of, we have four partners and, and our accounts lady, who's exceptional. Um, and, and that's what we do, you know. Between the five of us, we go through everything. And that's all part of our, um, that's part of the growth. But we, it was very frustrating in the past because mm. cash flow is, as you say, growth is expensive. You know, um, you've got your, we're very fortunate. We have a, a very good um, book. Um, those that are on the 30 days or whatever it is, we get in 30 days. Um, so, yeah, we're very fortunate there. But I, I would just love a pot of money um, that we could use... Yeah. Um, and then 
as an outsider, it looked to me like you did very well with ShopRite and Checkers, which not many of the smaller guys are brave enough to do. Is that, mm. Has that worked for you? or is It, it has. Um, you know, every single um, corporate has worked for us. Okay. Um, which for me is unusual. Yeah, um, again, I don't know. I think because when we started, I mean, we, we've got some pretty unique products. You know, we're not in the mainstream mm. vodkas, brandies, etc. Ours are really shooters, okay. essentially. And certainly with the double act, um, it was quite an eye-opener. Um, the first time it happened, um, we'd been knocking on Macro's door for some time, um, and nothing really was happening. And then, um, in fact, we were we had just gone overseas to um, independent liquor in New Zealand, and we were on a flight back, and we had stopped over in um, Hong Kong. We, we took two, da- two days out to see Hong Kong. And I got a phone call from Kit Platt from Macro at uh, Strubin's Valley. And he says, can you come and see me at one o'clock? I said, I would love to, but I'm actually in in Hong Kong, but I'll come and see you at 12 o'clock on the next day or whatever it was. And went in and we went through it and and that was it um, with the macro. Somehow he wanted in the store and we had huge support there yeah. and that grew into macro. And then and then with ShopRite Checkers, um, uh, I can't remember where I was, I don't know. And I got a phone call from the buyer um, and I'm trying to think of his surname. He was... He was he was the wine buyer, and I think it was when the ShopRite was starting to do the liquor stores, and he also had that. Um, and he phoned me and says, please come and see me because our, one of our branches in PE has told me about this product and we'd like to have a look at it. I said, yeah, okay, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you. I'm quite tied up, kind of, you know, not realizing the sort of enormity of it, the opportunity, <laughs> the opportunity that was coming. So eventually I went, no, it sounds bad eventually, but it wasn't because I was hugely, obviously, excited. Set up a meeting, went to see him. He says, oh, so you finally decided to come and see me. So there was a bit of a red face and we chatted and, and got on well. And he said, okay, well, we'll list your double act. Yeah. And I was like, World changing. Completely, yeah, because, yeah. you know, and then pick and pay was around about the same time. So, yeah, um, knock on the doors, someone's going to, you'll get noticed. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, um, it was for the right reasons we were noticed. Yeah, so it was, and that's the beauty of it, you know. We, we all put in hard work right from the, the manufacturing with Alan and the, the one sales rep and doing making your tea and working to three in the morning and it pays off and it really did mm. um, I mean we were supplying product to, to the big corporates you know with foil lids and a sticker on top you know when you look at it you think how on earth did <laughs> yeah, we do that <laughs> and it was okay when we did it it was fine yeah, yeah no, this isn't a problem. we bluffed ourselves it looked okay <laughs> uh, talk to us a little bit about the range that you've got at the moment so last year we uh, reduced our range from 45 products to 19. Um, we did that, um, you know, based on sales volumes, um, using materials for products that weren't moving where they could be with the products that are moving. So we changed that quite a bit. It's worked out well. 
you know, um, production's a lot smoother, especially, again, going back to cash flow, where we can't just order, you know, enough of everything to make every single product. So we, we cut back on our products, and we haven't noticed uh, a dip, which is great. Um, turnover's still um, decent. So that's, that's, that's quite good. So we've got our double axe, we've got four flavors now. We have uh, Tickle Range, which is a cream liqueur with, infused with tequila. Uh, we've got chocolate. Um, that was a, quite a product to, to manufacture. It wasn't easy because we wanted to use actual cocoa when making it and not just flavoring. Um, so to try and get the cocoa to suspend in a product, you know, isn't that easy, but we managed to get that. Um, and then we, we've got two flavors in that, and I'll go through the flavors now. Then we've got our sours range. We had six, we went down to three. Again, going back to the wholesales, uh, you know, with the Radical Sours, the market, our sours is called Radical Sours. The market in sours has just kept going. It's dipped completely, but we're still there. It's had good, you know, seasonal. Um, and then we've got a, what am I forgetting? Shot. Bokshot and Shout, yeah. Bokshot is a product we launched because, you know, we do the little Springbok shooters, one of the flavors of the Double Act, which is the Marula cream on one side and peppermint liqueur on the other. And then we decided to put it in a bottle and have the flavor mixed in a 750ml bottle, which has done really, really well. Um, and then uh, Shout, which is a... We tried to do a bit of a story behind the product this was a shot in the dark sort of same sort of thing you know let's launch it see how it goes it was actually my sister's idea um she's she stays in the uk and she was like we wanted to launch a product and she said why don't you do this and make it out as like a story it's a comic book and there's different characters and each flavor is a character so we tried that and the one that we've stuck with uh, for now we're going to we're going to build that um, brand it's already in KZN is doing really well um, and that's a bubblegum infused non-cream uh, liqueur and the so yeah that's those are the products the double act flavors we've got the springbuck which is the marula and peppermint zambuca and banana coffee and marula and then strawberries and cream which is strawberry and cream liqueur on the other side our tickle range which is the cream liqueurs infused with tequila there's a bubblegum which is a uh, Great, massive, mm. massive seller. Uh, strawberry and a salted caramel, which is also very, very good. Very difficult product to, to get to, to work as well. But again, when it is, it's lovely. Then we've got our sours, which is the bubblegum, strawberry and apple. And our, what were the other ones? What did I miss? Chocolate. Chocolate, chocolate. chili mm-hmm. and chocolate. Okay. Yeah. I mean, your, your products are available in most of the, the popular chain stores yes. the independence you've worked hard on that how has the online business affected you or do you see a future in that definitely a future uh, we currently only on take a lot okay. and again you know most of our products that we have launched in the past any product really we've put it out there and we've let we've just left it whereas we we know now you know everything's going digital everything's online if you're not there you're going to be left behind so that's another avenue that we're going to push big time this year yeah and where can people find out more about your products? At our website, uh, independentliquor.co.za. And 
that's a, a new website we've just uh, launched and it's still going to be you know a lot more add-ons and eventually when we can we're going to be selling online and uh, do you do any exports or is there a demand for this sort of products from overseas that's a new thing we're getting into uh, last year we decided that ha that has to be the next step for growth um, there's obviously our growth in in South Africa which we're going to push but a whole nother untouched section will be exports and uh, one of the other partners who's in KZN is working on that and um, you know as soon as you start because we haven't done anything at all with exports but now that we've started looking into it there's been a lot more interest you know and, and we early early stages of, of hopefully finding someone that will either export for us that wants to handle it which we we have done one little small sample batch but what we've also noticed is a lot of people trying their luck you know um <laughs> please send samples here um apply for this license so you can sell your products in our country and pay this account you know all these bits and pieces so we've kind of just ignored those yeah. but yeah as soon as we we find and get a a export um relationship going i think it's going to be a game changer Because mm -hmm. I, I I believe our products have a lot of potential overseas, big yeah. time, yeah, or even in Africa. Yeah. yeah, we also we looked at exports probably around about 2012, 13, somewhere around there. And the trick we had was that we were we were in in quite a, a growth stage, and we'd been chatting to um, a distributor in the states. Um, who were very, very interested in taking the product. We had gone quite a way down the road. And then we, we kind of sat and thought, well, if we do the exports, we're actually going to let the South African market down. Mm -hmm. And that's our core business right now. Um, so we actually went back to them and said, look, we're going to mess up your market and ours. So when we're ready... Um, we'll be back in touch with them, mm. which they were happy with. So that's what we're going through now, um, because that's the last thing we want. You know, um, local has been very good to us, um, so we need to make sure we look after that. Mm. Yeah. But this year we'll definitely get into Africa at least. Um, but yeah, it's just a whole new ball, ball game for us. Yeah, but exciting. Mm. Well, thanks, Ellen and uh, Graham. It's Thank been you. wonderful catching up and uh, mm. glad that you survived uh, <laughs> or thrived through, through the yeah. lockdown and, and kind of rationalized your whole business. It's, it's exciting to see that I think a lot of us were just completely um, caught off guard by, by lockdown. Absolutely. It's good to, mm -hmm. to come out stronger on the other side. Yeah. No, it's, it's just so important. And I think that's... I think that's It just shows the sort of passion and the the quality of the um, the people that we work with. You know, I mean, they've stuck by us. I mean, you can imagine the sales guys when you're commission based and there's nothing happening. Um, very tricky. So yeah, we're very fortunate. We've got such an enormous, talented team, and you know that's what you need in a business. Yeah, as as my dad was saying, our Our company is a family business, and not just because we, you know, father and son and mom. But my staff, I know, you know, birthdays, uh, get-togethers, WhatsApp groups, chatting all the time. And when lockdown did happen, we still communicated, and um, they've stuck with us the whole way mm -hmm. through. And they believe in us. They believe in the company and as 
that they believe in the products and I think that's a winning formula mm. definitely well it was great to visit you today and uh, I hope that uh, the trade out there can can have a, have a get a bit of a glimpse of what happens here at, at independent liquor and thanks for the opportunity Holger thank you very much appreciate it Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.